finances, investing, estate and retirement planning? Well, I went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances and Money and Your Family. Finances and, in conjunction with my company, Capital Coaching, helps people achieve their financial goals through personal, tailored, and attentive financial coaching services. Together, we'll create a successful financial plan by examining your spending and saving habits, then guiding and educating you to your own personal success. Coaching services include evaluation of your spending plan, building your savings, financing your retirement, examining your insurance needs, and planning for your individual goals. Please contact me at capitalcoaching.net to make an appointment for your free consultation. I've been reading a book, Money Mammoth, Harness the Power of Financial Psychology to Evolve Your Money Mindset, Avoid Extinction, and Crush Your Financial Goals. That's a long title. I'm just going to call it Money Mammoth here. Dr. Brad Klontz, Dr. Edward Horwitz, and Dr. Ted Klontz are sharing almost 75 years of financial psychology and helping people with their own relationship with money. I'm going to share the first three chapters, which are about your relationship with money, your parents' relationship with it, and how you're shaping your children's, even if you don't talk to them about it. The title, the title Money Mammoth, comes from the mammoths who ruled the earth long after the dinosaurs, but is slow-moving and good eating, they were easily killed. Because they did not adapt as the humans began to work together to hunt, they were hunted to extinction. People who don't adapt and evolve with changing financial conditions could meet the same fate. Financial inequality and our inability to change our own financial course along with the number of people who live in poverty will, they believe, lead to our demise, just like the mighty mammoths. Their examples include Money is an enormous stressor for three out of four Americans. 45% of Americans have no savings. The average 60-plus-year-old that has any savings has only $150,000, and that's not enough to stop working. 40% of Americans would not be able to pay an unexpected $400 bill with cash, savings, or a credit card that could quickly be paid off. The median family income in the U.S., has only $117,000 in savings. In 2019, the average American Social Security benefit was $1,500 for new retirees. And finally, credit card debt in the United States in 2019 was over $35,000. These are terrible statistics. Even though there's more information than ever available to the average person, not just people with financial or economic degrees, We don't save and plan for our future like we should. Families are generally run with independence, meaning every member is expected to take care of themselves, or interdependence, where everyone shares financial resources, and those members who make more are expected to give more. Ultimately, this means savings is not a resource that many have. They state that our ancestors did not live long by moderation, that they ate until all the food was gone, because there was not a guarantee of when the next meal would occur. They liken it to our managing money today. We consume almost all of our money until it's gone or on credit, and then we borrow more, only to consume that as well. And now, unlike our ancestors, we have moved away from the influence of a group of 100 to 150 people that we surround ourselves with and have become influenced by a global community. And so we've moved away from those small groups to institutions, corporations, and governments to take care of us. 
Your grandparents did not have credit problems. They did not have credit cards and so had very little opportunity to get unsecured debt. Now it's incredibly easy to have debt. I used to wonder why my parents didn't tell me more about 401ks and saving options, but now I realize they didn't have any education or any real experience with it either. The first plans began in 1978, so the retirees of today have been learning along the way as well. They may have had pension plans, but 401ks are very different from those plans. The corporations who took care of their employees are almost all gone, and now it's up to the individual to care for their own retirement, and no one's going to do it for you. Not many generations ago, Americans were descendants of immigrants. Most left their homes to start over and escape political upheaval, poverty, calamity, disease, or disaster, or forced against their will. They did not come here with great wealth to pass down. They were scrappy, hardworking people who earned their money. And why weren't they rich? Because most did not hoard their money. High net worth people achieve their wealth by how much they save, not how much they make. By saving money or valuable objects, they're able to accumulate wealth, and then they can protect, preserve, and safeguard their hoard to have enough to become wealthy. Sadly, we focus much of our attention on how much we earn and not nearly enough, statistics show, on how much we save. Sometimes it's cultural that sharing our wealth is an expectation of your community, that giving is celebrated and saving seems like you're not giving enough. They point out that not only are you your parents' child, but also have many of their financial genes as well. Our parents' relationship with money, whether poor, middle class, or wealthy, shaped them and their experiences. Were they satisfied with their socioeconomic status or embarrassed? What were their parents' relationships with money like? Knowing how they shaped their financial understandings and beliefs will help you make sense of your own. Did you all talk about money or was it taboo? Did they agree about money or did they argue about it? Was money available or an unreliable commodity? They suggest asking your family members the following questions so that you can understand your parents' relationship with money because your beliefs and choices about money have come from them by either doing the exact same things or the opposite. The questions include, what was it like for you growing up around money? How was money handled by your parents? What was it like for your grandparents growing up? How did you feel about your socioeconomic status? What beliefs about money were passed down to you? What were your biggest financial mistakes or successes? Do you have any financial memories that stand out? Take the time to listen to their responses and look for comparisons to your own beliefs and childhood experiences. It will provide you with a wealth of insight into their beliefs and your own. The authors look at how we, with the best of intentions, actually hurt our children with financial enabling and financial dependence. That our well-intentioned financial help actually encourages bad spending habits, lack of savings, or lack of motivation. As much as we want to be a positive role model for our kids, we can unknowingly be doing the exact opposite. This can happen when we share our financial stressors with our kids, like if we have enough to pay for something, or putting them in the middle of divorcing parents' financial information and causing them to become anxious about money or insecure. Your adult financial issues are generally not a burden your children should bear with you. It doesn't mean you have to paint the perfect picture when it's not, 
But scaring or being angry around the kids around the topic of money should be avoided and shared with another adult instead. Even comments like, we can't afford that, can adversely affect your child's relationship with money for life. Conversely, it's okay to question your own parents when it comes to financial management because they may not know best. Loving them does not mean having to follow all of their financial advice. Finally, money can help motivate us when we start to experience the I'd rather be doing something else days. Because for those who rely on family money or government assistance, the income received from not working leads to a lack of motivation and is found to be associated with lower income and eventually lower net worth. Financial dependence can destroy passion and the drive to do better, while financial enabling is providing so much that our kids don't know how to be responsible because all it's given to them leads them to higher credit card debt and lower income. The author's advice is, one, recognize financial help can hurt by reinforcing irresponsible behaviors and stealing their motivation and passion. Understand that the curse of too many options can hurt your kids from finding their own purpose and seeing it through. Acknowledge the curse of unstructured free time, that too much time on our hands removes our social and emotional benefits that structure, even a job, can give. Rip off the financial band-aid and set an end date for financial support with your kids and stick to it. Establish ongoing support, not financial, but emotional, to keep them strong and on their chosen path. If you'd like more information on your own financial belief structure, listen to Finances and Financial Therapy, Episode 18, and look into your own unconscious views about money. Thanks for listening to Finances and Money and Your Family. I know you chose to listen and grateful. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow or subscribe for free in your podcast provider and share your favorite episode with a friend. I would love for you to be able to leave a review because it brings financial education to others and helps people find me more easily. Let me know what questions you have or topics you'd like covered by going to the website at financesand.net and leaving a message. You can also contact Capital Coaching for your personal financial needs at capitalcoaching.net. Finances and does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing in this podcast is to be construed as such. Always consult a tax, accounting, or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember, I went to school, so you don't have to.